SAFM Sports Wrap. Thank you, Nastasi. Just gone 6.30 on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Hello and welcome to the Monday edition of SFM Sports Wrap. Normally I'd be talking about this great weekend of sports in which we've seen loads of South African victories and indeed loads of South African sporting successes. Unfortunately, were it not for Luvo Manyonga and Ruswa Samai, we wouldn't have much to shout about. It has been a, a largely disappointing weekend for South African sport, and we'll be uh, getting a take on some of those disappointing uh, sporting moments from a few people. Most notably, Tanda Manana, a former Springbok uh, rugby player, will be in studio with us and uh, get his uh, take on not only the Springbok squad announcement, but indeed the Lions final against the Hurricanes in the Super Rugby competition. We'll also talk about the athletics, though. Uh, lucky uh, Tilimana Ndila uh, is over in London. We'll get his take as well in a moment or so from uh, London about Luva Manyanga's golden indeed Custer Semenya who will be in action tonight in the women's 1,500 metre and we will uh, catch up with some boxing uh, indeed we'll talk to Kevin Marina man who uh, is set finally to fight an opponent after uh, three changes in his fighting schedule. First and foremost, though, let's talk a little bit of cricket. Uh, a moment ago, when I glanced at the television in the studio, I saw that South Africa were on 195 for eight, with Kajiso Rabada walking to the boundary rope, having been dismissed, and they're chasing 380 for victory. It's day four, the fourth and final test against England at Old Trafford in Manchester. And uh, we've got one of the most knowledgeable experts in cricket in the game who joins us now. Natalie Jamanis, details of uh, day four not looking good for South Africa here. No, unfortunately not. England looking for just two more wickets to seal this test match and take the series 3-1 as well. South Africa set that massive target of 380. And at one stage were 163 for three, but now are 201 for eight. Things turned around dramatically just before the tea break because of Moan Ali's spell. He picked up three wickets before the tea break, taking the wickets of Hashim. LBW for 83. Next to go to Moan Ali was Quinton de Kock, who was caught by Alistair Cook. And then Tennis de Bray, just a couple balls later, was caught by Stokes off the bowling of Ali, and he went without scoring. So very unfortunate from South Africa's point of view. The target is a long way away at 380, and it looks like they will, first of all, be surrendering the series, of course, and it looks like a 3-1 victory for England. Natalie Jamanis for SABC Sports. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, football news now. But it has announced the signing of Anthony Gordinho from Supersport United. The 21-year-old who spent last season on loan at the University of Pretoria in the National First Division can operate in defence and midfield. He's the younger brother of Kaiser Chiefs centre-back Lorenzo. Meanwhile, Ajax Cape Town has confirmed the signing of University of Pretoria midfielder Innocent Nimukundeni on a four-year deal. Further afield, Jose Mourinho can collect the one European trophy he lacks when Manchester United play Real Madrid in the UEFA Super Cup tomorrow. Champions League holders Real will be without Talisman and former United uh, forward Cristiano Ronaldo in Scorpio Macedonia as the Portugal international was allowed to report late for pre-season training after he played in the uh, FIFA Confederations Cup. United, meanwhile, are missing uh, defenders Eric Bailly and Phil Jones owing to suspension. That opens up a place in the starting lineup for Swedish new recruit Victor Lindelof. Now, rugby news. Priority for the Springboks, perhaps, when they gather in Port Elizabeth tomorrow, will be to settle on who will lead them during the Castle Lager Rugby Championship this season. Warren Whiteley is set to sit out at least another six weeks because of a 
groin injury that prevented him from leading his team in the final test against France at the end of June and the Lions in the last stages of the Vodacom Super Rugby. As the team's vice-captain, even Etzebeth was the natural choice for the once-off in June, but many asked questions on why Siokulisi, who's Etzebeth's captain at Super Rugby franchise, was not entrusted with the task. Meanwhile, let's say rugby have announced uh, the banking giant F&B has uh, become a Springbok sponsor. It's a three-year partnership which will see the bank's logo appear on the back of the Springbok jersey just above the playing number. On a Super Rugby note, a Sanzar Foul Play Review Committee has accepted a plea from Kwasa Smith and has banned the Lions flanker for four weeks following his red card in the final against the Crusaders. Golf News, South Africa's Hall of Famer Ernie Els will tear up in his 100th major when the PGA Championship gets underway in Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina on Thursday. He played his first major championships in 1989 when he missed the cut in the Open Championship at age 19. But the former world number one has won the US Open twice and the Open twice but was denied a career grand slam by slim margins. A pair of second-place finishes in the Masters, and he's twice come from third in the PGA Championship. Then let's talk uh, athletics. Uh, former 800-meter world champion, Custer Semenya will run into her first major women's 1,500-meter final on day four of the uh, IAAF World Championships in London. In just a moment, we'll find out more from, uh, from London about what's happening tonight. That's your sports news. Now, loads of athletics on the go. Day four of the, uh, of the IWF World Championships in London. Faith Kiplikon of Kenya, surely she's going to be the favourite for the 1-5 tonight. But, of course, uh, South Africa is uh, looking out for Kasta Semenya, who's running. Uh, I think Genzeba Dababa, she only qualified as the fastest loser. But she is the defending champion. She's the world record holder. So, of course, she will be one to watch, you know, doubt. But plenty of action tonight as well, including the men's 110-metre hurdles. It's Omar McLeod of Jamaica. I'm really hoping that Aries Merritt, despite age, can still do something. Because, remember... Five years ago, I was in the Olympic Stadium in London when he won gold at the very same track. Although Hungary's uh, Balash Baji, I thought, looked fantastic. Also, gold's up for grabs in the women's hammer and triple jump. But let's go to London. We're joined on the line by uh, Palapala personality, SBC sports reporter, Lucky uh, Chilimandila. Uh, Lucky, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Well, uh, good evening, Dwayne, and also to SFM listeners. Uh, let's talk about Luvo Lu- Lu- uh, Manyonga, because uh, after a disappointing weekend of sport, he really stepped up. And I mean, we had three three jumpers in medal contention, we thought, going into these championships, yeah. and we got two of them as uh, semi-grab bronze as well. Take us take us through that. Yeah, and so, so, you know, you know, Dwayne, Samai, I spoke to him before the final, he said to me, the only thing that can stand between him and the medal is the if he gets an injury, he, he delivered, he did very well, and uh, uh, he was excited, and he said, more is still to come, and uh, he promises uh, that he's uh, over, and also Zach Fisher, who he was not in good shape, he said to me, he was not supposed to be here, but he was just happy that he competed here, uh, he only managed to jump 7.46, but uh, he said he's still strong, that the next time he will do better, because he's not fit, we saw he did not even participate in the uh, local in the in the local athletics back in South Africa. But uh, Samai said his disappointment in Rio last year in 2016. He had an injury, and uh, his performance uh, over the weekend it was the greatest thing in front of 55,000 supporters here at the at the Olympic Stadium. For Luvo, he said to me he dominated from birth, and uh, it was his time because he missed out on the gold in London last year in in, in Rio last year in the Olympics. And uh, he did very well. And remember, uh, he he's, he's been he's been looking for this goal for 
for a very long time and he said it was his time and uh, he said uh, he and Rashwai together with Zexisab they are going to work together to make sure that they dominate and they are quite popular here in London too. Yeah indeed they, uh, they are I think the people just love the fact that uh, it's a great redemption story isn't it for uh, Luba Mnyonga the fact that he's, he's come back from, and he's, he's been able to turn his life around so spectacularly and what a positive to, to talk about uh, bad news though is that uh, Muin Ali has just taken 5 for 69 also over in England at the moment but in a different part in Manchester and uh, South Africa all out for 202 so England I can confirm have won the series 3-1 the bezel dollar Vera Trophy was always going to stay in England uh, even if uh, South Africa won this test match after a draw but indeed I can confirm that uh, England have won the fourth and final test uh, by 177 runs so they win the series 3-1 back to the athletics uh, lucky let's talk about tonight I mean two Olympic titles two world titles a new South African record just over a week ago in the 800 for for Casta Semenya but Tonight she's running on the 1-5, um, which she says is her favourite event. But, I mean, I mentioned the likes of, uh, of Nzebe de Baba and, and uh, Faith Kipigon of Kenya. She's really going to be up against a, a, a tough field that includes another one of the, the home favourites in Laura Muir. Yeah, yeah, Laura Muir is a fighter, and she, she fights really hard, and she's going to be having all the supporters, 50,000. The ticketing is at 50,000 tonight for this session, and uh, let me is a fighter, and uh, I think she's got a chance of getting a medal. But uh, you, 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 you know, there's also Sifana Fan who has got now the the welding time in 2017 at uh, 3:56. She's also a good contender. But uh, you've spoken about Faith Kipiagon. I think she's going to be to be the one who's going to give Kasa a run of her money, and simply because you know, you look at Ganzela Divaba, Divaba. Uh, and she's not the Divaba that we saw in 2015 when she broke yeah. the world record in Monaco, and she's not Divaba that we saw in 2015 when she won that Olympic gold in Rio. But uh, she's still a, big, a good contender. She still, uh, she still, uh, she still has a chance of getting a medal. You, you've mentioned it. She only qualified as a fastest loser, and it's going to be a very great race, especially because Sipan Afan and Kasa Simenya they they have similar tactics. They like staying at the back, and uh, yeah. they have got a very good finishing. And now the, the last 150, the last 200 meters, if you give it to Kasasimia, she will beat you any day. But Fed Kipiagon, I suspect Fed Kipiagon and also Gendela Dibara together with Leroni, they will want to stay in the front. They will want to uh, to, to, to have a, a gap so that even if Kasa can, can attack, then they, they will still stand a chance. I think it's going to be a very technical race. I think we're going to see a race like the one that we saw last, uh, last year in Rio. The men's one thousand fight when Messi and Chuit from USA won when no one wanted to take responsibility, no one wanted to run their own race. So I think today is going to be an interesting race, and I think it will depend on the day on what is going to happen. And I think we are going to take books away and we're going to look at what is going to happen here inside the stadium tonight. Okay, very, very briefly, uh, Lucky, uh, wait for Nikark. We all know he's going for the 200-400 double. He's already through to the 400 final. That's tomorrow night, but the 200 heats start tonight. Yeah, well, I think he has, he has a chance because all the top three in the 100 meters, they're not quite taking part in the, in the 200 meters. You say balls, Gagasin, Gatley, and Kristen Coleman, all of them would. Yeah, Red Panikar will be on heat number three and, uh, he, 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 he has a, a very good chance because, you know, he, 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 he's a sprinter, he's very fast, and even if, when he's running the 400 meters, you can see the last 100, the last 150, he's very strong. But he will be up against Isaac Makwala, who for me yes. has improved a lot, especially with his finishing, because he also has a world leading time this year. Yeah, no, Makwala looked fantastic in his 400 heats as well. I think Gardner, Makwala and Wade Van are going to be ones to watch for that uh, race tomorrow. But listen, Lucky, go and enjoy all the action tonight, and we hope to catch up with you as the uh, IWF World Championships progresses. Thank you. And and thank you so much. The crowd is fantastic today. The 50,000, we're sending at 300,000 since the start of the championship. Thank you.
SAFM Sports Wrap. SFM, South Africa's news and information leader, coming up for uh, 18 minutes to 7 on SFM, South Africa's news and information leader, and uh, we're talking about rugby now, because uh, Johan Ackermann's big farewell was dealt a bit of a hammer blow by uh, the Crusaders. Scott Robinson coaching the New Zealanders to their record uh, eighth Super Rugby title. They, they won 25-17 at Ellis Park on Saturday, uh, but more importantly for Scott Robinson, was, it was uh, he became the first person to win it as both a player and a coach, uh, the Super Rugby title, but I'm delighted to say in studio we have a, a man who is not only now known for his uh, incredible uh, performances as a rugby player, uh, Tano Manana, uh, a man who... Uh, who is being much celebrated over the last month or so for being the uh, a book that was co-written, uh, being a black springbok. Yeah. So that so that means I'm an author. Tando, yeah, no, you're published. You're published. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you 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 you're a man who's done great things. Yeah. On and off the pitch, yeah. and you continue to impress with your insights and analysis here uh, at the SABC. And one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you is yeah. uh, this, this, this was something, this was a real opportunity, I thought, for South African rugby to show that they can compete with New Zealand rugby. Yeah. At home crowd, at altitude, uh, and a confident home side as well. Still, still couldn't beat the Crusaders. How, how, how did you see the final? You know, firstly, let me say, um, Dwayne, it's good to be again back at SFM. And I think for me, commiseration for the Lions supporters, first and foremost, I mm. feel for them. I'm in a full 64,000 packed at the Ellis Park Stadium, uh, just screaming and hoping that the Lions can do it. But, um, I mean, on the question of saying one is playing New Zealand side, I think the Lions would have rather wanted to play more New Zealand sides instead mm. of a semi-final and a final. And, uh, you know, Crusaders played with their heads and the Lions played with their heart that was the only difference for me because if one looks at them the second half how the Lions were attacking with 14 men you know they were one man short and yet the Crusaders you know their defensive patterns was just out of this world you know uh, playing away in fact traveling uh, playing at high altitude and playing in a full out uh, you know stadium and it just says something about about the Crusaders how they can uh, as New Zealand side how they can absorb and take the pressure but also turn the defense into attack but what was amazing for me though was, uh, was, was the way that uh, if you look at it in totality, the Lions didn't win, mm. but they've made back-to-back Super Rugby finals now, um, and and this is a side that was relegated four seasons ago. Yeah. You know, this is this is a side that has really come back. is is a bit of a fairy tale story here. How much do you, you know? Do you, do you give credit to Johanna Kamer? How much do you give credit to players that were written off by? most or many people in rugby circles for the, for the way they've come back over these last few seasons? I think he's done exceptionally well. I mean, he's uh, made uh, normal players to become Springbok players. That's first as an achievement, yeah. as a coach. In a year, he went from, what, one Springbok to ten? Yeah, you know, to, to eight. Unfortunately, yeah. this time around, he's got seven. Yeah. But uh, also the Springbok captain is from the Lions, meaning that now the confidence uh, is lying upon a Lions player and a player that says that, uh, you know, he thanks the guy who believed in him from the word go in 2013 when he took over and moved on with the squad. But I think overall it's, um, it's been a happy family and it's good to see players when they talk. You know, they talk of the camaraderie amongst the players. They talk of the know-hows of each and every individual on and off the field. It's not yeah. something that you, you hear every day you, because players tend to be isolated after training, yeah. but these are the guys that are always together and they play together for each other. But also I think what what Jan 
Ackerman brought, he brought something different. He brought an attacking flair, but also players that could defend as well. And, and, and I think that's why we, we could see them, you know, as, as amongst the top two teams uh, that are able to score so many tries, especially in the second yeah. half towards the end of, or the back end of the, of the last quarter of the game. And we've seen that, and he's done exceptionally well. I know that many people love the winner. I mean, everybody loves the winner. Unfortunately, I think for the Lions, they'll be happy that uh, they, they had Jan Ackerman just for revival and, and also so leaving to Swayze De Bruyne uh, a mm. squad that uh, he can work with I mean uh, as an attacking player Swayze De Bruyne is amongst the best in the country and uh, he'll have to obviously make sure that he keeps the the most of the squad and continues where Johan left off so I think overall I mean they had 70% of possession statistics uh, yeah. were with them throughout the game unfortunately they just couldn't uh, break that wall of the Crusaders defence it is disappointing, but uh, but there's so many positives I think to take out of this. But what is it? You know, now the the Springbok squad announcement has uh, has come. Uh, they're gathering at Port Elizabeth tomorrow. Um, but you know, what does this Lions run do for the expectations then for for Springbok rugby this season? Coming off a season like last year with uh, what was it, eight losses? Yeah, I mean, it was out of uh, out of the twelve, we only won four. But I think yeah. for me, SA Rugby will be very much competitive if they were to stick to the core of the Lions players. Unfortunately, there's seven now. We have eight from the Bulls. We had an awful season. You had eight from the Stormers. You've got four, four, four from the Cheetahs. In fact, what worries me is even no one was taken from the King side. I've I dumbfounded because they were the most impressive side. I, I would have had I would have had Lionel Cronier. Cronier was instead of instead of Andre Pollard, who hasn't played at all. Now it then beckons the fact that maybe the selection of the Springbok squad is also mm. based on the fact that they've got to select the contract Springbok players into mm. the squad. Whether they've played or they haven't played, they just have to be in the squad. And for me, it worries me because uh, it then raises the question, who selects the squad? Is it really mm. the coach? Or is it someone who's running the affairs at Saru who selects the team for the coach? Yeah, I think this is one of the things that we saw. Lions, I think, have played with character and determination. But I tell you what, there wasn't a team that played with the heart of the Kings this season. Yeah. I think there are a couple of players that, that really stuck their hands up emphatically and have, have, have not been named. But just on that point, though, of the announcements, I mean, what does it do for the? What does it say about the the, the, the careers of Brian Abana and J.P. Peterson? Well, let's, let's start with Franz Steyn. I mean, Franz Steyn was brought in for the French. He was never used. He was used off the bench, obviously. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't selected again. I mean, there was an ideal opportunity to, to bring him to Cape Town and work on his conditioning. But the excuse is, uh, he, he, you know, he's, he needed to be conditioned well. And he wasn't yet a long season, a European season. But come on. If you could select Andre Pollard, certainly you can do something of a front stain and make yeah. sure that he gets the conditioning that you want as a coach instead of coming up with every time lies of where the player and what he's doing. So there we don't know what is happening. Maybe the overseas players, Dwayne Fervmielek, he's gone for an operation, so he yes. was also yeah. not considered in that fact. But I think if the players you've mentioned, certainly, uh, you know, I don't think they'll ever take part or wear the green and gold. It's, hard, it's unfortunate that uh, it had to be done this way and, uh, you know, they realize that their international careers are no longer required. However, we're stuck with the situation where we continue selecting wrong players on form. We're just selecting maybe on uh, reputation at this stage or on maybe being a player being suggested, for example. Ruan Comrick, who's going to kick for us? Yeah. The long-range kicks. That's my worry. If we get a 50-meter or 55-meter kick, who's no, going to do it? No we, yeah. we don't have such players. So, and, 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 and we've got to look at those things that, you know, several of the other players made the squad. How do they make the squad? Only they will know the selectors and, uh, and, and the convener of selectors and the coach. Okay, very, very briefly, I want to get your take on this because this is a contentious issue for some. Yeah. 
Uh, Warren Whiteley's out. He was the, the captain that uh, Alistair Kutsia said, I am going with. Etzebeth was the captain for the one-off that Whiteley missed, the third test against France. I think a lot of people said, Siakulis is his captain at franchise level. What's, what's the story? But Etzebeth is vice. What's your take on, on, on the captaincy issue, considering Whiteley's going to be out for the bulk, if not all, of the rugby championship? I mean, an opportunity was there. You spoke about it. I mean, Siakulis had just become man of the match in Durban, leading to, to the last test at, 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 you know, at, Ellis, at Ellis Park. And uh, unfortunately, it was an opportunity missed. Now it's back to, to the coaches once again. Do they continue uh, with Eben Etzebeth in the rugby championship? I guess they have no choice but to stick with him going forward. But an ideal candidate would have been Sia Colisi because he is the captain of the Stormers. He's done exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of leadership, he's also shown that, uh, I mean, he's the first person to even voice out that we should not leave the country. We should rather stay and make sure that we build the Springbok brand that we want to have. But unfortunately, I always say that sometimes when you take decisions, you know, you've got to stand by those decisions. And I think Alistair could see in that predicament where he cannot now all of a sudden yeah. change Eben Yetzabeth and enough. make him. But also you've got to understand that Eben Yetzabeth hasn't had the best of season for him to even be captaining the Springboks guard. He's there now on reputation and on experience. And also we know the robustness uh, that he does possess on the field between the white four lines. Is it going to show in the rugby championship? Big question marks and big players have to step up, unfortunately. And I think it's just individually now that players have to come together and continue to play the type of rugby that are expected for them to do and at least do better in, in, in coming close to beating the All Blacks. Oh, well, just quality analysis, uh, Tanamunana. Thank you very much. Time, unfortunately, against us. Uh, Always. Author, Always the case. former Springbok, all-round good guy, but don't worry, I won't ruin your street, street <laughs> cred. I won't tell too many people. Thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Didi, for, for welcoming on SFM. Thank you very much. SFM and Birchwood Hotel invite you and your loved one to the Ekuruleni Comes Alive Jazz Evening, Friday 11th August at Birchwood Hotel, Boxburg, East Rand. Performing live on stage will be the award-winning and sultry Amanda Black, supported by Naima Kay as well as Palisa. The Jazz Night also promises to give you hilarious comedy from Kanye Sabonu and Noko. Tune in to SFM and stand a chance to win two VIP tickets and one-night accommodation for you and your partner. For booking, visit www.virtuoushotel.co.za or call 011-897-0000. SFM, giving you the best of jazz this woman's month. The Man Cave, created for men by men, returns Tuesdays at 9 p.m. SABC3. This is Sport on SAFM, every supporter's greatest resource. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader now. Uh, delighted to hear last week that South African cruiserweight uh, Kevin Lorena has been, uh, oh, uh, he's been actually found an opponent, Congolese French boxer Yuri Kalenga. He's been confirmed as a replacement, firstly to, to uh, Maslow, the Russian who was set to fight him, and then his replacement, Dura Dora, in Nigeria, who also pulled out. Uh, but he's been confirmed as facing him at Empress Palace in September for the vacant IBO World Cruiserweight title. But uh, considering there have been a few withdrawals uh, leading up to this fight, we just decided to give it a week or two to see if uh, this wasn't simply t- Temporary. Delighted to say that, that we have uh, Kevin Lorena on the line himself. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Good evening. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, I, I have to ask first up after the spate of withdrawals: uh, Is the fight still on? Is is Yuri Kalinga definitely confirmed as your opponent, and, and can you confirm the date of the yes. fight? Yes, I'm fighting Yuri Kalinga on the 9th of September at Empress Palace. It's definitely confirmed. My promoter Rodney Berman has confirmed that fight. 
um, mass love pulled out and everyone is giving mass love another opportunity. Well, th- this is the thing. I mean, th- the way I look at it, uh, you know, it's confirmed, opponent withdraws, discussed, no deal, confirmed, opponent withdraws. Uh, why do you believe it's been so difficult to actually secure and keep an opponent for you now? You know, it, it, it's hard to say right now because Maslow um, was given enough time and then he pulled out with four or five weeks to go, you know. So it's very difficult to say as to why. Um, is it cold feet? Possibly. Um, is it injuries? Maybe. I don't believe so. So mm. there's, there's many different opinions, but um, I'm not 100% sure on the reason why they're pulling out, but nonetheless they're pulling out and it says something about me. So. Yeah, well, I look at it that way. I take the positive side of everything. Yeah, we like to think it's because uh, they're, they're a bit running scared of you right now. You, you've been looking good in recent times. Though. I mean, you, uh, how are you feeling about your boxing? Thank you. Because I mean, uh, I watched I you. Great. I'm really, I'm really starting to turn over. I'm, I'm doing one in sparring. Um, my former opponent, Johnny Miller's my chief sparring partner. Yeah. Good work. We're putting in good work, and I'm looking forward to this opportunity. It's a, uh, it's a big fight for me. I, I have to win because it's big things lie ahead. Now, what's your first and your second fights against Johnny Miller? I mean, you were looking really good in this, uh, the second fight. Uh, you know, um, you. Miroro R- Ramirez, I think, uh, most recent opponent that you that you took care of. Uh, but it's a, it's a really good run right now, and uh, you know, you, you're getting those big results. You're getting the big Ws behind you. That's that's only going to build your yeah. confidence. But something like this mentally might play games with uh, with you. Has uh, it disrupted your preparation at all? Because you need to peak at a certain period. Sure. Um, you know what? I would say it, it was disappointing. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a professional, so my training is, is very strict nonetheless, whether I have a fight or not. It just threw the, the goalpost off of the, the goalpost. Really, we just had to reassess, and now, now we are 100% back on track. Mentally, I'm 100% strong, ready for years longer. Now, look. Uh, obviously, this is this is something for for me that's that's key. Is where you go from here? Because if, if, you, if you claim this vacant title. Uh, you know, what does the win do for you when you when you look towards your future? It's big because you become the RBO champion of the world. You know, then there's, there's other bouts like the WBO, WBC, WBA, etc. Um, in those ratings, I'm in the top five and in the majority of those big organisations. So, just to win this bout, which creates a bit of a bigger name for myself, and then to hopefully get a crack at one of the, the bigger. When I say bigger bouts, the, the more notorious bouts against a guy like Alexander Usyk or mm. one of those top contenders, top champions, you know. Yeah, I think it was Mtsunu I watched boxing against uh, Usyk. But yeah, as you say, you're, you're rated very highly in the, in, in the various organisations. I think in the WBO you're currently ranked second. But I mean, can we can we realistically expect a fight against somebody like Alexander Usyk or, or Murad Gassiev in the in the years ahead? Definitely. Um, Usyk's team is being in contact with my promoter. Uh, they want the fight to happen. We want the fight to happen. We're just waiting for the right time. You know, I do possibly think next year, depending on how the World Boxing Series goes for the cruiserweights. Next year, definitely could be in contention for me versus Alexander Osek. You know, Kevin, one of the one of the reasons that uh, I think a lot of people have turned their attention towards you is the fact that uh, so many of the sort of larger uh, divisions or the, the the higher divisions have have not really been producing the, the the boxers that South Africans have been traditionally used to in recent times. But how do you yeah. feel about the state of, of of boxing being a cruiserweight, one of the one of the bigger lads in uh, in boxing, and, and do you feel that South African boxers are actually valued or, or made to feel? as valued as, as they are in other countries? You know, um, that's a tough one. I think, obviously, like you know, bigger countries, America, Russia, those kind of places, they really put a lot of time into their boxes. With South Africa, I think the government is trying to do that now. They're trying to put a lot back into boxing, but it all takes time, you know. Um, I, I believe it's up to the individual. you got to win your fights no matter what. you got to win, and then you've got to market yourself. It's up to the individual. If you can win, be marketable, and market yourself and do well, 
then you'll be heard in the boxing world in South Africa and in the world, you know. It's up to you, but it's not just going to happen because of, how can I say, because the country gets behind you or because the government's behind you, no. Because you have to win fights, you have to win long, you have to make a name, and then market yourself well enough that people get behind you. So I say it's entirely up to the fighters at the moment as to how big they want to become. Uh, yeah, I tell you, uh, there, were, there were a couple of guys. I think uh, the last cruiserweight that was really doing anything on the international scene was uh, Sebastian Rothman in, in years gone by. Yes. Although, yes, although yes. I found out in a Yeah, of course, as well, who Tavisa Tuna has done wonderful things as well. But can I ask you on a separate note, though? Does this Floyd Mayweather Conor McGregor fight that's coming up, do you think it promotes boxing in a positive way from somebody who fights in the ring? It's your bread and butter. No, it's difficult. That's a tough question because if you're looking at the revenue and the money the fight's creating, it's huge because of the boxing code coming with an MMA code. Um, does it put boxing into disrepute? Yes, I do believe it can because it's, it's showing that boxers, you're sanctioning a fight that a guy that's never had a professional fight in his life. Yes, he's walked into the cage where he never got through those ropes and fought and they're sanctioning a fight. So it does put boxing into disrepute in a way that, you know, it's not going to happen, but if Floyd marry the losers, it looks very bad on boxing, you know. I just think the only good part of it is the business side of it, the money it's going to generate. But I don't think it's fair because there's a lot of fair, good contenders out there as far as in the welterweight division who deserve to be making 10% of that money. You know what I mean? That's exactly so, my point. It's, it's, yeah. yeah no, that's no. just not beyond it. The business, the business side of it's good. Am I going to watch the fight? Yes, I am, because I want to see. But I don't think it's good for boxing. It can bring boxing to disrepute as well as it can bring in the main to disrepute too. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm familiar with the opinion that, and I, I, that uh, Floyd Mayweather has turned down fights against proper boxers on numerous occasions over the years, and uh, I mean, there's nothing more than money in this, I think. That said, I'm hoping that it'll uh, do something for boxing in the long run. But listen, Kevin Lorene, I'm delighted yeah. to, to hear that you've actually got a fight on the cards, Thank and uh, I'll be there September the 9th to, uh, to watch you at, uh, at Emperor's Palace. Best of luck in your uh, training Thank and you. preparation for Kalenga, and I certainly wish you best uh, on the night as well. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. SAFM Sports Wrap. Okay, that's where we are going to leave it. That's all we've got time for tonight. We encourage you to get in touch with us, uh, SFM Radio, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stick around because uh, no Lady Muleo is up after the news with the talk shop. My thanks tonight to standard producer Ben Ruhoto, uh, sound engineer uh, Phineas Ndorba, and me, Dwayne DeLocker. It's time for me to say cheers. I am out of here. It's 7 o'clock. Have a lovely evening. Cheers.